And the books came in, by the way. Thank you so much. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. We got to get Rob a book out there. I will be happy to. My great pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. Only if it's personalized. Of course. To my great friend. It will be my great pleasure, sir. <laughs> my great pleasure. When did this, Rob, that, this comic book come out, Ramzo? 2000. You're kidding. I kid you not. Well, how did you I've find out on YouTube, just everybody later? Knows. I, I have it. Wow. Okay, God bless you. Thank you. I think the statute of limitations may have run, so that's a problem. Well, well you don't know nice that. To be famous. It's nice to be famous. You don't know if the statute of limitations ran out or not? Uh, I know. I don't. I don't know. But 21 years would normally be way past the statute of limitations for anything civil. They, they're still printing it, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, I sent you the screenshots was from the Marvel Unlimited app. It's an app where you can read comics on your phone. Wow. Okay. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah, for so, I mean, that. this, they, 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 they still print, uh, the, these Spider-Mans. So, I mean, great, they've been great. doing this for over 20 years. Why am I? I'm, I'm like, we're about to start, but I'm like the person that's terrified to go to Remzo's place. You know, I mean, I could see him just having like boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes and a cat. I'm kidding about Spider-Man. I'm of, kidding about uh, Spider-Man. And if you just tuned in, you are listening to the world according to America's humble servant and America's teacher, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. We're, we are joined tonight by W93.1 WIBC, BAM, the future of conservative talk radio. Rob Kendall, how are you, Rob? I am great, and all three of you get better looking every time we're together. <laughs> That's wonderful. You're wonderful. Then, You're wonderful. God bless you. You should be running for office, sir. He, he is going to be running for office one of these days, and he is the future of conservative talk radio. God bless you, in two, in two months, Rob, you're going to have a reveal yourself. That's right. Yes, uh, I've done this very fabulous hair transplant as part of with one of our advertisers on WIBC. And after about four months, they say you can pretty much reveal it to the world. So uh, you all will be here when I do that. That's it's a good thing one of your. It's, a good, it's a good thing one of your uh, pr promotional things is like uh, Ben. What is it when they clear your whole system out? What's that called? High uh, colonic. Oh no, colonic. Yeah, yeah. colonoscopy. Okay. Yeah, the, no, the colonic, the guy, though. Not the colonoscopy, the colonic. The, the guys at We Grow Hair Indie were awesome. Yes. Um, and it's good. And no, no, no pun. Good plug. Um, and also joining us is, of course, uh, a writer, podcast extraordinaire, on the run with Remzo Martinez, the cat man himself. Welcome back, as always, Remzo. How you doing? Howdy, howdy. It's, it's great to be back. It's good to see you. You look good. Your haircut looks good. I am looking sharper than ever before. You are sharp as a tag. And of course, this show would not be complete, or this show wouldn't be a show without writer, actor, provocateur, lover, saint, sinner, father, grandfather, and now Dr. Benjamin yes, Jeremy. Yes, now I am a doctor. I am a doctor. You are a doctor. You and, did, and you posted you and Jill Biden are starting a practice together. Geriatric psychoanalysis, specializing in paranoia and uh, visions. Visions. And, and, 
and dog bites. And I want to welcome everybody that's listening in the YouTube chat and for your comments and for everything and for all the downloads on the podcast. Thank you, guys. Remember, even if you're watching, you can still download the show on Apple or everywhere where you can download a podcast and give us those five-star reviews. Thank you. Um, we really are humbled by your support. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and Ben posted something on Parlor today. He posted a brilliant thing about George Wallace, and I'll let you get into that in a second, Ben. But one of the things that I started thinking about was- Thank you. Thank you, first of all. Thank you. George Wallace, and I wanted you to get into Wallace first. Remzo wrote a book about it. Rob knows a lot about George Wallace. Remzo, you have so, written a book about George Wallace? How to Succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship. Wow. God bless you. That's by, Remzo, by Remzo Martinez. And wow. one of the things I thought about is every day, millions of people listen to a certain thing and that hasn't been canceled yet. I don't want to get into, the, into this segment, but I want you if people in the chat to think about what you think will be canceled next. Remzo will be helping me read that, reading it off of Parler. Ben Stein, go to George Wallace. George Wallace was a, a, a circuit court judge in Alabama who wanted very much to be governor of Alabama. And he ran as a moderate. And he, and I believe it was in 66 or 64. I'm not sure which. And he, uh, he was a moderate on race relations. And he lost badly. 60. To an out, no, it was later than that. He lost badly to an outright segregationist. Uh, and he said, uh, I have, to his, his colleagues, gentlemen, I have just been out, and I'm not allowed to say it, out the N-worded. And I will never be out the n-word again and uh, the next time he ran he ran on a very strictly segregationist platform and he said he won by a landslide he said segregation yesterday segregation now segregation forever and he, he was wildly popular in alabama and he started little by little to grow across the country in democrat politics and became wildly 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 popular all over the country even in places like Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Washington State, my home state of Maryland, and was winning Democratic primaries right and left. And the Democratic establishment just couldn't believe it. They were terrified. And uh, eventually his career was cut short by an assassin's bullets, uh, which did not kill him, but uh, did paralyze him and left his health very, very much impaired. And uh, so that was sort of the end of him. But he taught Republicans a lesson. The white working class man has been ignored by the politicians who are looking for the elite and for the academics and the beautiful people. And the white working class man needs somebody to champion him. And the next guy who came along to do that, well, Nixon did a little bit in 72, but the guy who came along and did it in a big and incredibly successful way was Ronald W. Reagan. And Re by the way, Reagan started his 1980 campaign in Philadelphia, Mississippi, a small town, not to be compared with the Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, but it was famous for being one of the most hot, one of the hottest hotbeds of segregation and racist thinking in the country. He started his campaign from there and everybody thought, oh, well, that's going to kill his campaign right then and there. Not at all. His campaign went up like a rocket. But what you posted was more in line with that. Uh, what I, okay, what I posted is we thought we had then, at the end of that period of time, seen the end of racist, racialist politics. Now, the Democrat Party is more racialist than ever. And they have strictly divided up America into black and white and have said, we are for the blacks and the liberal whites. 
and the uh, the Republicans are for the racists and the anti-blacks and the and the uh, r- cracker redneck cracker whites, and we have never had a political party go as explicitly for racism as a political point of view uh, since at least since George Wallace as we have had the Democrats in 2020. And it's a kind of, I think, a sad thing. We have become a racialist country as South Africa was before the end of apartheid. And I think it's really sad and the Democrats should be morally ashamed. Rob Kendall, what do you have to say? So it's really fascinating as Ben was telling the story about Wallace, the the morphing of politicians to be whatever they need to be. I mean, one of the, been reading and, and watching a lot of stuff on Mussolini lately, and it's fascinating that Mussolini was a Democrat socialist who couldn't get elected as a Democrat socialist. So pacifist, he, pacifist yeah, too. Pacifist. Yeah, what what we would know as the fascist would become known as the fascist, and that's a really disturbing thing that people need to be in power that bad that they will become not just something they're not, but a total one eighty of their actual existence in order to get into the government. That's super weird. It's it's frightening. It's frightening. It's frightening. Now the Fuhrer, he was never a nice guy. It wasn't as if it wasn't as if he was a nice guy, and then he suddenly changed and became a terrible killer. Stalin, never a nice guy, didn't suddenly change and become a terrible killer. But uh, with um, Mr. Biden, he was always, uh, when I was a child, a segregationist, but uh, a young man, when I was, he was a segregationist. But to have turned into this racialist and uh, his whole, whole campaign being based on whipping up black uh, anger at white people. That is something that is very saddening to see. Ben, why is that that these people, and you see it in America, you see it, we talked about Mussolini, these people need to be in government and it's that way with both parties. Why, what, why are they so addicted to being in the government? Well, George Wallace, who uh, is gonna be, I guess, the theme of the next couple of seconds of this show, said to his family one night at dinner, there are only two things that matter to most men, money and power. And he said, I've never been that interested in money. And he wasn't, uh, but I'm very interested in power. Power is a feeling that makes you feel good. I mean, just stepping on the accelerator of a powerful car makes you feel good. If you can walk into an auditorium and have thousands of people cheering you, that really, really feels good. I've done that. That feels better than sex. A lot better, a lot better. At my age, a hell of a lot better. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for that image. Uh, Remzo, you've written the book, a book on George Wallace. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so Rob touched on it a second ago. Why are these people willing to morph that way? That that was why I went ahead and titled the book the way I the way I did. How to succeed in politics and other forms of devil worship. And the question posed to the reader is, what are you willing to do to succeed? And are you willing to do everything and anything to succeed if you lose your soul in the process? And, and you know, it's a it's a I try and take a dark comedy approach to telling the the life of Wallace because really I I think it's a Shakespearean tragedy when you look at his entire higher life very um, much so very yeah, much so but one of my favorite stories and and, and i mentioned this in the book you can grab it where, wherever you can find I will, outdoors enthusiast- i'll buy it the minute i get up off i will this. i will sign it and send it to you ben don't worry God bless about you that. sir um you know Rimso, just, will you send me one that says to my good friend rob Kent? let's do it let's do it send me your addresses after this no really i've got these books um, thanks to covid i was supposed to go around virginia dc and maryland in 2020 and all my book signings got canceled so i've i gotta get rid of them trust me um but uh there, there's a scene i think he was in new york at the time this is when he was running in 1968 as an independent candidate 
Ramza, you're having somebody. I mean, he issues. was Trump-like in the way that he was. I can't fix it. So uh, there, there's this thing about him. He was able to really get these warehouses and these stadiums and these venues just full of people. And much like Trump, he had this dire hatred for the media. So what he did at this one rally was he went ahead and corralled off all the reporters and all the cameramen in the middle in the middle so that way he's standing like a few feet away from them and people i mean they've got them corralled off with rope people are yelling at them calling them scum calling them the moscow times and wallace gets up there and he's like you know new york times the moscow times they're not very nice to me well he points to the one new york times reporter that's there and he happens to bring his son with him to show him what he does and the kid was like six seven years old he was terrified and wallace is just whipping up the crowd i mean he's going after reporters he's doing his whole thing after the show um the show after the rally uh the reporter and his son happen to be staying at the same hotel that wallace and his campaign is and as him and his son are about to retire for the day they hear a knock on their door and the guy goes over and he opens it up and it's wallace's chief of staff um tom turbville and he's like hey uh, not Tom Turnipseed. Tom Turnipseed. Tom, Tur Tom Turnipseed. Turnipseed. That Turnipseed. was it. Tom Turnipseed. Turnipseed. Yeah. Tom Turnipseed. And he's like, excuse me, the governor would like to speak with you. And the guy is like, uh, okay. And he's like, oh, by the way, bring your son. So they go up to the presidential suite. And like something out of a horror film, they walk into the room and Wallace is sitting in the corner on a rocking chair, just kind of sitting there. And he looks at the boy and he's like, son, come over here. The, the kid walks over to him. He's like, dad, can I go? And he's like, yeah, just go over to him. Wallace picks up the, the kid, puts him on his lap. And he's like, son... All those things I was saying about your daddy, don't you don't you listen to none of that. That's just politics. And and the reporter's just looking at that him like, that's is just a great Ramzo, thank you very much. That's great. Yeah, I mean, that's just one of those things where it's like that is that is sick. And whether or not he was genuine because he felt bad about scaring the kid or whether or not he was trying to mess with this reporter's mind, that's one of those situations where it's like, who is the real Wallace? And what well, is he I, I don't think do? it's bad at all. I think he was being very kind and nice to the kid and reassuring the kid. I, why, what would be bad I, I, about it? What, what's bad is he's willing to do it either way. And that's well, one of those that's all politicians. Are... Remzo, there's a famous <laughs> saying about the uh, the small town Baptist church recruiting for a preacher, and they say, uh, oh, how, "How do you feel about uh, the flat Earth?" And he and they and Reverend says, "I can preach it round, and I can preach it flat." <laughs> and uh, that's the same as the politicians; they can preach it round, and they can preach it flat. But they, the fact that the governor brought over the little boy and encouraged him not to be f afraid. And that it was was not the end of the world one way or the other. I think that shows a lot of love and kindness. And I think, and interestingly enough, in person, even to to black people whom he was running against, he was incredibly kind and pleasant. Yeah, there, there's another story of Wallace during uh, during his his first wife's term as governor because he was constitutionally limited from running for right. a second term when his when his first wife ran. Uh, he was that, you know, just, that, that was Lurleen. She was yeah, great. That was Lurleen Wallace. She was she was gen, genuinely a good governor. Listen um, to you two uh, Wallace wonks over here. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Wallace is, is walking around. He was basically the de facto governor of, of Alabama to a degree, but he, he ran into um, somebody that he had encountered when he was a circuit judge back in Clio, Alabama, where he was originally born and, and stayed for many years. It was somebody who was a defendant who he actually ruled in favor of. And he was like, Governor Wallace, you know, I 
I, I remember you took my side. You were one of the only white judges who would have ever done that. I, I liked your policies for the most part in terms of more public funding for public education, uh, more road work expansion Free projects. Textbooks. Free textbooks. Yeah, free, free textbooks, uh, meals for the poor. I mean, he did a lot for the black community and for the poor white community in Alabama. And so this, this guy is just basically like, and I even like what your wife is doing, but like, what, why, why are you talking all the race stuff? Why do you keep saying the N-word at rallies? And, and Wallace goes over and he puts his hand on his shoulder and he's like, if I didn't talk about the racial stuff, you wouldn't have gotten the textbooks. If I didn't talk about the racial stuff, we wouldn't have brought jobs back to Alabama. Because when I did that in my first run in the Democratic primary when he lost the first time, nobody cared. It's the same thing. I've just got to do it a little differently. And he smiles and walks away. So I want to say I've been on hundreds, maybe thousands of panel shows and chat shows. I have just learned the most interesting things I have ever learned, ever. I really so, humbly thank you. Thank so, you. So, we could be done with the show. Go ahead, Rob. <laughs> Remzo, so, and, and Ben, obviously you can expand on this too. Wallace strikes me as a guy, and so many politicians are this way, that you almost, you change who you are so often and in so many ways that you almost forget the real you. And no, not him, not him, not him. But, not uh, him. but I mean, what Rimzo was just telling us is like, it's, it's like bipolar on steroids. It's like what? It's like bipolar on steroids. I mean, that's- No, 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 no. He was running one. He was running as who he was. That was a moderate. Then he was running to win. That was a segregationist. Then he was apologizing to the black community for the wrongs he had done and the things he had said to them. That was the real him again. He did depart from being the real him and real George Wallace in order to win. That's true. Many of us do that. I live, have lived and worked in Hollywood for a long, long time now. I see people departing from who they are all the time, constantly to make a buck. I've seen that all my life. And the same thing in politics about winning. And on that note, if you just tuned in, you are listening to The World According to Dr. Benjamin Jeremy Stein. We're joined tonight by Rob Kandall from 93.1 WIBC, the BAM, the future of conservative talk radio. Of course, uh, now we know George Wallace aficionado, Remzo. But Remzo, can you please tell everybody where they can find us? George Wallace aficionado is not what you want to put on your resume, but please go ahead and hit the bell icon. If you want to go ahead and get notifications, whenever we go live here on YouTube at uh, 7 PM Pacific, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, uh, go ahead and find the audio version. If you missed the live show over at Apple podcast, Stitcher, Google play audible, wherever you can find podcasts online. And please leave us a five-star rating and review. Let's people know the fun we're having, the conversations that are setting forth and helps us grow the Ben Stein nation. If you need a little bit more Ben in your life, get Ben's newsletter, uh, several times a week at benstein.substack.com. That's benstein.substack.com. Welcome back to the world according to Ben Stein. I so appreciate that, Remzo. It gives me a few seconds. And I want to just shift a little bit since we're talking about race and we're talking, and I want to get to the cancel thing in a bit. But Ben, you 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 were talking uh earlier this week about the Marco debacle and with the Royals. And I I have no horse in the royal race. I I I, well, it, it, I, it, I love you, Megan. She's doing is, American Revolution Part Two, Electric Boogaloo. Take yeah. down the monarchy. But Ben, years of years of whatever. But she was uh, you had brought up uh, 
to me about like, you know, talk about the amount of money at, that these people and uh, just go on a little bit about. Well, them. here's a woman who was a, not at all high ranking actor, not even remotely high ranking actor. Uh, here's a guy who is the a prince, so-called prince of uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, his his heritage and ancestry are very, very, very much in question by the tabloids in London as to whether he not, not or not he really was a member of the royal family. They took their mediocrity and they brought it to the northern to North America, and they got something like 150 million dollars just the first year for reading children's bedtime stories. And then these no-count losers who would have been nothing without claims of racism and injustice against them get $150 million and they're complaining about it. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. What about the people who fought in the Korean War? What about the people who fought in the Battle of the Bulge? What about the people who fought, the black people too, who fought in the Korean War, black people too, who fought in Vietnam? Nobody mentions them. But these people, because they're members of the royal family, claim they're being discriminated against at $150 million a year. Call me Kike. Send me the checks. That I'll give you my address afterwards. <laughs> so if you have $150 million. That's Ben's line for calling him. Uh, well, for calling him that. Um, but Ben, I, 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 you know, and not to mention all the people that are struggling in Britain right now, financially and all yes, that. Yes, and with COVID. And with COVID, but what's the opposite of colorblind? Because you know we're taught to be colorblind, right? But all they see is we are, color. We are not really taught. We, we Martin Luther King taught us that, Judah. Martin Luther King said that. But the Democrats since then have said be hyper aware of color, know that you're being mistreated about color, and that your main asset is your vote. That's the main. The, the ordinary black person has a very, very modest uh, net worth financially, but he has the same vote that Warren Buffett has. So that's uh, th that's something they have finally begun to realize and they're making a, lot, making a lot of use of it. And the Democrats are making use of it too, but the Democrats are hyper, hyper racialist. And Pierce Morgan actually can't, got, he quit today. I mean, I guess he was... Uh... Going, Tell us about uh, that, Judah, because I just got to, to skim that story. Tell me that story, please. Well, I, I, he quit, I guess, because either he was being forced out or because he thinks he wait. I, I think actually he just had it. I mean, for a guy like him, he's you know, he he's a very proud you know English person. He's he loves the he he loves the kingdom. He loves what it stands for, and he doesn't enjoy what it, how it's being disgraced and. Um, you know, that's so he made a decision to, you know, step out of the arena because I don't think you could control yourself if you have that sort of love for something and you see these two sort of grifters ruining. Grifters is perfect, 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 perfect. So and there's another story following up. I don't know if you saw it just late this afternoon, Judah, and also, also my other dear friends, that the royal photographer who's known the royal family forever said that Prince Harry had been a really likable guy and everybody enjoyed being with him until Meghan came into his life and then he became a righteous bastard, wouldn't talk to any of them, was condescending and mean to them. Gosh, I wonder if there's any coincidence in between those two events. Rob, have your callers been bringing this up or talking about it at all? This is fascinating because I don't care about this at all. But one of the challenges of my job is recognizing that tens of millions of people in this country watch this thing. So you have to figure out a way to talk about this. 
intelligently. My point of this is Prince Harry once went as a Nazi to a Halloween party. Yes, yes. Nazi stormtrooper. Yes, yes. So so you don't get to get on your moral woke high horse when you saw nothing wrong about going as a Nazi. Especially in in England, in England where people are being bombed and they were losing 10,000 people a month of civilians to German bombing. And, and, and this idea, this this totally out of touch thing where he's talking in that interview about, oh, we had nothing to live on but my mother's inheritance. It was like a dollars. Your mother was Princess Di. <laughs> I mean, right, that's, like, that's like John F. Kennedy Jr. saying, I have nothing to live on but Onassis money and Kennedy money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think they come up just super horribly, horribly. And, and yet, and who's defending him? Who is defending him? Oprah Winfrey, who is herself a fantastically rich person, various other entertainers, mostly African-American freedom fighters who are themselves fantastically rich. What about the ordinary person who's working for a living and trying to make a buck and trying to feed his wife and family? And these people come along and they're whining and bitching. It's incredible. They spent $32 million on their damn wedding. Thirty-two. And now I know Britain made a lot of money from the wedding. But they had a wedding that cost $32 million, and she said she never felt accepted. Well, what would have been acceptable? A $100 million wedding? You, you get all the jewels. Whoa, whoa, what would, what would it have been, Remzo? I know you're, you know, I don't know what your thoughts on this. Yeah. I've never, like Rob, have been enamored by the Royals, but I'm sort of enamored by this, by, the, by their sheer, by their people buy into their Their crap. chutzpah, their unbelievable fragging yeah. chutzpah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Remzo. You you don't want to talk about this at all. Your audio is down. Do sign language. Do sign. Are you still? But Ben, oh, I, oh, I, oh, oh, I did that. Wow. Okay. But Ben, I got to be honest with you. I think the people that I think what was and what Rob was talking about what was if I didn't watch the interview, I've seen clips like I would imagine most of us have seen. I tend to always notice, I don't believe people when they pause. I just realized I was muted the entire time. Keep oh it like God. that. That was my yeah. fault. That was my fault. Uh, if I, if I could just like, say real fast, I'm just yeah. super happy. Megan, keep doing what you're doing. Bring down the whole royal family. I'm loving it. This is the American Revolution Part 2. It's beautiful. Well, what is what is England without the monarchy? What are they? They're just a second level industrial power what are they without the monarchy i don't like welfare what, and what is what? what is the royal family except a welfare family well yeah that's true that's true but they, <laughs> they have a mystique about them but what is england or uk without the royal family i mean they i have a very smart friend who said they should abolish the monarchy what's left if they abolish the monarchy then then what are they i've always Here, asked that by the way ben and you're the economist here what exactly do they bring? I mean, have you, have you have anybody in this panel ever said, you know, I'm going to buy that British TV? I, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm there's a new, there's a new British, uh, you know, stereo Computer. system. I'm dying to buy. Well, people say they used to say they'd buy the Jaguar, but I, don't, I think that's now owned by some people a little farther east than 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 England. Uh, the people used to say they would buy the British uh, hunting rifles. I don't think they say those that anymore. I don't know what people buy as bad in England, but England is England is a very rich country, but nothing like 
uh, say Germany, France, United States, Japan. Uh, the, the Royals are their big business. Their tour, tourist attraction is a huge, huge business in the United Kingdom, huge. So it's the other thing that's interesting to me about their story is you're led to believe that they're a bunch of racists. I know, I know, it's great. The, the Queen of England, who the Queen of England has been queen longer than my father has been alive, it has no power whatsoever. Charles is a raging racist. And the crazy thing is, especially if you've watched this new series out, The Crown, and so I've watched it and I've tried to do some research on some of the things they allege in there. These people for generations have been underhanded, seedy scumbags, but the <laughs> stand is they all protect each other. I mean, the thing when, when, when George became king during, during World War II, his brother Edward was a, just a horrific- He's uh, a Nazi, he was a Nazi. Yeah, he yeah, was a Nazi, yeah. So, so you're led to believe that for generations they protected each other. Once you're in that thing, no matter what you are, you get protected, but they just drew the line with her. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Nobody's talking about Prince Andrew. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, no, I mean, more. nobody's <laughs> talking about Prince Andrew this entire time. Where is that guy? And I think there's a, a sister is missing, too. He's on an island. But the amazing thing about all this is the, oh, the yeah, grifters. Prince Andrew, that's right. <laughs> the, the, the grifters got caught by a grift. You yeah. know, it, it, it's sort of like they, 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 they and, and, and you know, it's fun. They probably saw this coming. They just didn't know how to stop it because a grifter could always tell another grifter. And when they saw her coming and they couldn't Gangster stop this Gangster. marriage, they had they, they they knew down the line. And, and and it wasn't even down the line. It was what a year and a half later. This wasn't even this is like the shortest like uh, exchange of uh, how she felt hated and loathed by a country ever. At least five years of suffrage. Right. This is like a year and a half of living like a champ. And wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. And let's bear in mind, she was nothing here in Hollywood. Absolute zero, nothing. She found somebody at long last stupider than she was, and she <laughs> moved all the way up. And 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 what an incredible, what an incredibly clever woman the Queen is, to at one fell swoop have gotten this guy Prince Harry, who is a, about as much of royal blood as I am, and got him out of there and got her out of there. And what does she care how rich they are? Now the royal bloodline is protected. Judah, can I ask you guys a question that I asked our audience today? Yeah, please. Why does anyone get enamored with an Oprah interview? She is terrible as an actual interviewer. Oh my God, Oprah got the interview. Her lack of follow-up, the, the, every Oprah interview I've ever found it's worse than Larry King. Well, I actually was on Larry King many, many times, and he was a very good interviewer and a really nice, really, really, really nice guy. What, let's see. Can we figure out why people are bowing scrapes <laughs> over? Let's see if we really, really work out if we can figure it out. Maybe, maybe in no, a few years. No, he actually does it. No, I know what he's saying about Larry King. Larry King catered to everybody. That was his job. Larry King wasn't meant to be. It's like if he had a Democrat on one night, he'd be like, oh. So I love the Democratic Party like you. And then if he had a Republican on the next night, he'd be like, oh, isn't Reagan great? You know, it, it was that was just Larry King and who he was. You, you, you watched him for that sort of enjoyment. 
he was never meant to be in depth like Oprah is trying to claim to be on these interviews. And you could always tell when somebody's like lying in an interview, like when their legs are crossed and they pause and speak incredibly slowly, because that is a sign that you have to think of the lies as you go. Okay. Because anybody that, that is in a situation, we're all talking, we're all speaking fast or loud. What is this with the slow pausing and the slow thing? Do you think Harry and Meghan look smarter? You look more like <laughs> grifters and liars, but that's just me. My humble opinion, Ben. I, I, I think your humble opinion is shared by a great many people. And uh, the fact that people are, uh, <laughs> are fascinated by them is, is amazing. It's just incredible. It's a sign of how sad many people's lives are. I mean, it's really, it's really, really sad. That's what it comes down to. And if you just tuned in, you are listening to The World According to Ben Stein. We're joined tonight by Rob Kendall from, uh, from 93.1 WIBC, BAM, the future of conservative talk radio and all-around entrepreneur, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, please tell people where they and can find And George us. Wallace, expert. And George Wallace, expert. On Amazon, folks. Uh, Remso fact of the day, if the mute button is red, that means it's on during the show. But please, so you don't miss anything. Go ahead and click the bell icon above so you get notifications here on YouTube whenever we go live every Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. And please, we broke 100 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts within just a couple of weeks. We're going to break 200 before we even realize it. Please keep it coming. Let's people know the fun we're having, the conversations we're, you know, getting to jump into each and every week, and it expands the audience so that way we can have more fun across the nation. Global domination, please go ahead and make sure you get more Ben Stein in your life. Subscribe to the Ben Stein newsletter at benstein.substack.com. That's benstein.substack.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the world according to Einstein. I love how you Why, do that. When are we going to get to the book burning? When, when? Well, we're getting to it right now. And okay. we're going to get back to But of course, we're joined by Dr. Benjamin Jeremy Stein. Um, the doctor. Like, I you know, do not doctor. accept Medicare, by the way. You're, you're as much of you and Dr. Dre and the other Dr. Dre. Um, but at the beginning of the show, we were talking about George Wallace and not the comedian George Wallace, who's very funny. Um, very, very funny. Very, very funny. But we, we were talking about George Wallace. And when you when you sent me that post and we posted it, um, I couldn't help but think. And I started to think about, you know, George Wallace in Alabama and Leonard Skinner and people getting canceled and Sweet Home Alabama. And a lot of people don't really I mean, millions of people listen to Sweet Home Alabama every day and don't realize what the song is about. That's what's really comical about that song. They're singing in Birmingham. We love the governor. George Wallace, they're singing about Watergate, Ben, and they're singing about all these things and they don't realize. And I'm, I'm scared to death that a song like uh, Sweet Home Alabama is next on the list. I hope not, but uh, try in Watergate, they love the governor. I mean, sorry, in Birmingham, they love the governor. Now, the fact is that Birmingham is a big industrial steel city. used to be one of the second biggest steel city after Pittsburgh. Those are white working class men who work with their hands and backs. Those are strong guys. They loved George Wallace. They loved him at Tuscaloosa or other places where there were universities. They didn't love him as much. But in Birmingham, they loved the governor. Now, we all did what we could do. Now, Watergate does not bother me. They're saying what I've been saying forever. There's nothing to Watergate. It was just a media scam. It was a media magic trick. And uh, the sweet Leonard Skinner said it out loud. Millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions heard it. Did they understand it? I don't know, but I do. 
No, but my point being is with the second they start dissecting that song, I mean, you know, they took two movies off the off Disney today. They didn't take them off Disney, but they, it was Peter Pan, I think, was one. And it was something else that they removed Rob from the children's section. And, you know, it's wow. it's it, it almost scares me like you're a Hoosier, you know, and Bobby Knight. It was was, you know, it, it almost scares me that they're going to start banning Indiana Hoosier video, you know, Hoosier, you know, clips. I mean, because what's next? Well, it, it, it's a really frightening place we're going. We got into this, I guess this was last week, about this Chris, Chris Harrison, I think is the guy's name. He's the host of The Bachelor. And one of the contestants Dumba. on The Bachelor went to one of these antebellum parties where they wear the poopy dresses. It wasn't like she was at a party where there were Confederate flags everywhere, or the South should rise again or anything like that. She just went to an antebellum party. Now, keep in mind... The, the women on the show are competing to end up with an African-American gentleman. So clearly, if you're a raging racist, you're not competing on The Bachelor this year. But this, she goes on the show, so people start, or to this party, the photo service of her wearing this dress, people start coming after her. And the guy that's the host of The Bachelor comes out and goes, wait a second, I know this girl. Everybody on the show knows this girl. She's a really sweet girl. Maybe we're over-exaggerating. Well, then the cancel culture mob comes for this guy. And instead of doing what's right and saying, I didn't say anything wrong, you people need, need to get a life, he breaks down and he's an apologizing left and right. And he's on an apology tour to where he's on like with Michael Strahan apologizing. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And these people who apologize are part of the problem. If you did wrong, is, don't apologize. This is precise Stalinism and precise Orwellianism in which if you do something at the Thought Police and the Ministry of Truth, which is like the Gestapo, finds out about it and doesn't like, or even if they do like it, not only are you forced to confess, but you're forced to go out go out on the video tube and video screen and apologize for it. You have to apologize. that This is, this is when we're entering real Bolshevist, National Socialist, White People's Party terrain. No, and you brought up a book, right? So, you know, it, it, you're, it, it's, it's Orwell that could be canceled next. Nobody is safe in this, in this form of woke cancel culture. And that's what, what boggles my mind is the, that the left who's doing this doesn't realize they're canceling themselves. I mean, they, eventually at a certain point, Ben, you, you know, you, you who used to work for Norman Lear, all in the family's got to be next. Oh yeah, all the and, and the Jeffersons. And the Je I mean, the Jeffersons. I long, long, long ago when I wrote a column for the Wall Street Journal about popular culture, I wrote about how the Jeffersons seemed to me to be making fun of uh, uppity black people, as some people would have called them. Uh, no, nobody minds. The show is an enormous, enormous hit, and it's a great show. Uh, but uh, now that show couldn't conceivably be made. Could not conceivably be made. He makes us be considered condescending and mocking towards black people. And I mean, where does, as Judas so aptly says, where does it end? Free speech means free speech. It doesn't mean free speech according to what those morons at the, at the Black Lives Matter say is free speech. It's free speech, meaning it's up to each person. You know, and, and somebody in the chat is like saying we're chasing ghosts by talking about this. No, we're not. You know, I was, I was at my friend's house yesterday and he's got like a, you know, a couple kids. He's got one that's four and one, I think that's six. And we were, and we were looking at his kids going, what kind what, what are we bringing? What, is, what, what are they going to be in 16 years? What kind of country 
are they going to be living in in 16 years if we don't figure out a way to fight back against this, like you said, Stalinism. I mean, this absolute, because this is just a start. It's like I've spoken. It's like a beta test. How much could we start to cancel before people, and and, and I don't know, Remzo, where, you know, you're, you're into comic books, which, can't, which have become extremely PC now, right? Which have become, which is never the case with comics. It's hit your land. Yeah, I mean, some people say that, you know, politics and culture shouldn't be in the stories. I mean, uh, comic books have always been a, you know, sometimes an explicitly political medium in terms of communication and popular culture. But recently, they've just taken such a giant turn with, like, Marvel Comics. Marvel editorial for the past 10 years has been absolutely dreadful. DC DC Comics had to fire half their writers because they were writing these woke SJW comics that weren't selling. But, um, you know, just just to touch on two things. One, the the song we mentioned earlier remind me of, of another part in my book. The Bob Sil- the Bob Dylan song, The Times They Are Changing, that's about George Wallace. Oh, you're kidding. You're kidding. Tell, me, senators, tell me, tell me, tell me, yeah. tell me, tell me, tell me. Come senators, come congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway. Don't block up the hall. That was oh, talking about. Don't block up the, ga- the door to the University of Alabama. Yeah. So he, he talks stand about in the doorway of the University of Alabama. Yeah, so that that was by Wallace. But I mean, just in terms of uh, of what we're talking about, everything we're going after. I mean, Disney movies, Dr. Seuss, all this stuff. There's I mean, they even took Pepe Le Pew out of the new Space Jam film. I mean, there's no forgiveness. And I mean, that's the that's the absolutist culture we're in to be a even bigger nerd. It's like in Star Wars Episode three, Revenge of the Sith, only Sith steal in absolutes. But there, there's another part in my book, and this is one of the crazy things I found when I was researching about Wallace. When Wallace was uh, shot in Maryland by Arthur Laurel, Kramer, Maryland. Yeah, when he was shot by Arthur Bremer, uh, I mean, news got out really fast. Ronald Reagan, who was governor at the time, he was just finishing off a press conference, and somebody told him that Wallace had been shot. So he kept all the reporters for a second. If I could just read the second, um, th- this this one mentioned by Reagan, um, he looks out at, at the reporters at the end of the conference. And he's like, oh, no, this news bulletin is something I'm sure of uh, is going to be of great interest to every one of you. Um, It's been passed down to me by my secretary, by the Associated Press and the UPI report that Governor George Wallace has been shot during an appearance in Laurel, Maryland, and he was taken to the hospital by ambulance. There are no further details yet. Uh, Well, this gives me a chance, and I don't suppose there's any questions anymore about any questions, but this is, again, something we've... Uh, this is, again, something that we've been talking about. We've had so many tragedies over the last several years. He's talking about the assassination of Bobby Kennedy and MLK uh, in this area of political candidates and office holders of this kind. And isn't it isn't this an outgrowth of the hatred of what seems to be injected? What has been in the past has been normal competition and normal rivalry and certainly election year emotionalism and all. But if something is to be done about this kind of tragedy for everyone, isn't it necessary that all of us review our own attitude and say, yes, it is possible for men and women of goodwill to differ, to have opposing viewpoints, to discuss and debate them and perhaps never come to agreement on them? As God is in heaven, do we have to hate each other to the point where people with less balance are stimulated to deeds of this kind? No one gives speeches like that anymore. No one did that when Rand Paul and a bunch of Republican senators were almost shot up by a Bernie Sanders supporter. Nobody said that as Rand Paul was attacked by his neighbor. Nobody says that when Ted Cruz and his family are accosted at 
uh, restaurants. Nobody, nobody talks about. How about, that how about when the Republicans are practicing for, for a baseball game and some but, lunatic yeah. comes out and starts shooting at them and hits one of the Republican congressmen? Nobody said anything particularly bad about that. It was just it didn't even happen. Yeah, well, I mean, nobody would anything. give a speech like that now. Well, we've I mean, we're, we're we're living in a world in which there are different classes of people. The Republicans are entitled to no sympathy. Conservatives are entitled to no sympathy. And blacks and left-wingers and whites, and especially people of fluid gender, are entitled to all the sympathy. So we, we now we don't live in a world where people are equal anymore. Certain people have more rights under the law than other people do. And that's and it's just an outrage. Yeah, and I mean Supreme Reagan and Wallace nothing about it. Nothing. Yeah, I so mean Reagan and Wallace question. at the time, they didn't even like each other. But Reagan is still going out of his way to say this is screwed up. So Ben, here's my question for you. How do we how do we navigate these waters? Because I really think that's the question that we have to all you know, come to terms with and come to grips with. Rob has a radio show every day. Remzo does his stuff. And Ben, you write every day. But how do we, and it's obviously the no, no apologizing is step one, right? Step one is no apologizing. Ben, what is step two to navigating these waters? Step two is turning your life and your will over to God and saying, how, how would I think that God would feel about me telling people to hate my neighbors because they're white? Example. On the internet this afternoon, there was a story about a group of people from that those those horrible, horrible Black Lives Matter entities screaming at a group of young girls who are going out for cheerleading championship or cheerleading practice or something entirely because they're white. Hadn't done anything at all questionable or bad. Just because they're white, they're being cursed at, screamed at by very large Black women with megaphones. This is insanity. This is right out of Nazi Germany's playbook. How do we get around? What's the next step? We pray for them we, and we pray for ourselves and we don't let our children go out to those places unaccompanied and we stand up to these people and we go to the sheriff or the deputy or the police, police chief and say, we want guards next time when these people when these people are assaulting, and I'm a lawyer as well as a doctor, when you're shouting at someone and calling her a name and threatening her, that's an assault. So that those people should be able to be imprisoned. But Ben, that's also more on the pacifist side. How how do we rob? I'm asking, how do we fight back against against this sort of against this sort of mob mentality? You, you Not know, be with violence. No well, violence. so we we've been talking about this a lot because it used to be it was pretty simple on the radio there's like seven things you can't say don't say those seven things you'll be fine uh now it's it's a lot different and uh, i think the my pillow guy is a great example you know it was it nathan hale my only regret is i have but one life to give for my country people are going to be willing to lose things to try to get this country back and the my pillow guy is a great example he was willing to lose millions of dollars for his political beliefs or his beliefs about this country. And in the case of talk radio, look, they're going to come for it because it's sort of the last bastion of free thought that the liberals haven't totally cannibalized. And so in our business, it's going to come. Are you willing to stand up? Are you willing to continue to speak your mind? And if you haven't done or said anything wrong, are you willing to go to the mat for it? Great point. Beautifully, put, beautifully put, but how do we go to the mat? I think we keep saying it and saying it and saying it but bear in mind 
when Martin Luther King started up his crusade, the big powers in the media were already on his side. We don't have any big powers in the media on our side, except for some people, not even all of them, at Fox News and some wonderful people at Newsmax. Let's ask ourselves, is there anybody we can try to persuade in the big media? Probably not. But if, if we can't, then, we, then we've got to just redouble our efforts in the small spaces we have, like this one. And I think Rob brought up a great point, is how much are we willing to lose in risk for what we stand for? And I think that's, the, that's like you brought up Mike Lindell, there are a lot of people that have lost a lot. Everybody that went to work for the Trump administration lost a lot. And, uh, and, and they gave up a lot. And um, a lot of them will never work at their chosen professions again. But on that note, if you just tuned in, you are listening to The World According to Ben Stein. Remzo, please tell people where they can find us. Hey, it's great to have all of you here chatting with us live, you know, engaging with us, letting us know that, hey, you're here and you're hanging out with us. But what if you go ahead and miss an episode? Fear not. We have the audio version of the podcast you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Play, Audible, everywhere across wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review today. It costs you nothing, but it means everything to us. And if you haven't hit the notification bell icon after all this time, what are you doing? I've only brought it up 13 million times in the last couple months. Hit the bell icon so you never miss a notification and if you're not following ben across the amazing world of social media and you want him directly in your inbox benstein.substack.com get weekly wisdom from ben and friends three times a week we are really happy to do it and again i do not take medicare but you can read the stuff on the newsletter for free i would literally listen to a whole show of remzo reading ads and promotions <laughs> he's, he, he's he's really good at it. He's he's like very he's, good he's, at it. Very he's, he's, he's 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 a skilled uh, young uh, buck, and um, I don't know why he said young buck, but you know he's skilled. And on that note, welcome back to the world, according to Benjamin Jeremy Stein and a doctor, of course. But somebody brought up something, uh, Marjake. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it in the chat and said, you, you get through it by ignoring it. I totally disagree. I don't think you could, I, I don't, I, I think that's their goal is to beat you into submission enough that you start to just, that you, that, that you do ignore it, that you say, because remember, this has gone, this has been a progressive as they, as they are, this has been a progressive shakedown and takedown of our culture. And it was little by little and all of a sudden, bam, they started coming after stuff in our wildest dreams. We never thought, I mean, whoever thought Gone with the Wind would, would get a disclaimer. Whoever thought HBO would put 18 disclaimers on movies. You can't ignore that. Our job, your job who's listening, is to teach and tell as many young people as you can, this is not normal. That is our job. Our job is to school them after they're in school, because they are not being taught correctly, Ben Stein. Well, they're not being taught at all. It's, I mean, they're not, they're not being taught at all. And it's what, to me, it's very sad that young people have no idea of what racial discrimination really is in this country. I was talking to a, a young man at a bank today, an African-American young man at a bank. I'm not sure how young he was. And, uh, I, and he was very, 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 very pleasant to me. And, uh, and I, he calls me by name. We've gotten to know each other over the, the uh, months of the pandemic. And I said to him, uh, you, you are so very, very pleasant. Did you, where, may I ask where you went to high school? And he told me the name of the school. And I said, uh, you, you, you know so much. How, what year did you graduate from high school? And he said, I don't remember. 
Now I thought to myself, my God, this is an unusually smart young person. And he doesn't remember the year he graduated from high school. This is an emblematic of what people are not being taught. I ask young people all the time, when was the first world war? No one knows. I have yet to come across anyone who knows. They don't know what it was about. They don't know why it was fought. They don't know how it led into the Second World War and into the, into the genocide or into the mass killings of the communist world. They know nothing about anything. They know nothing about America's triumph over segregation, the incredible, unbelievable triumph over racial prejudice in America. They know nothing about the fact that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of white people died to free the black people in this country. They know nothing except what these bastards at BLM are teaching them along with the help of the people in the mass media. They know nothing and that is really frightening and we have to take it upon ourselves to teach. I teach my son, I teach his girlfriend. I think when the time comes, I will teach my granddaughter, but who the hell is teaching everybody else's children? Rob? Uh, I have a question actually for Remzo because you guys may not know, Remzo and I are in a couple of uh, group chats on Facebook or group group posts. And Dang. Remzo, Remzo is uh, incredibly uh, innovative in group chats on Facebook. And I, I wonder that there, there's some really bright people in that group, but they're not, they don't appear hyper motivated to put solutions forward for differences. And I, I, I think that's going to be a challenge going forward is people who are right to hate the government, right to distrust the government, right to have second thoughts about everything the government says and does and the total control they've taken over our lives. Those people have got to step up and up their game, for lack of a better term, and start speaking out on solutions. And I wonder if you think of that, that group of liberty-minded people is ever going to be able to do that. No. No, uh, I mean, you know, work, work is hard and bitching is easy. And I, I mean, really, I consider myself a, a product of, of, of what I really think is the punk rock element of, cons of the conservative movement, the Andrew Breitbarts, the Stephen Crowders at the time. I, I talk about it in my first book, Stay Away from the Libertarians. But, you know, my real title um but you know like for, for me i i understood um not many people knows about me i was a political consultant for a while worked for republicans independents libertarians to everything from congress to dog catcher and um you know ultimately i, I did all of that great stuff i used to write policy white papers but it didn't it didn't affect anything with, with what i did with with my second book how to succeed in politics and other forms of devil worship not you not have just a book out. yep um you know what? What I wanted to do was I wanted to go ahead and he's talk become to Larry. Away. He's become Larry Clement. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, hey, Remso doesn't have a job. Help me out. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I wanted to talk to people who would never have these conversations with me. I wanted to talk with them and not talk at them. And that's why my my criticism of law of authors they write to the audience and they're like, "Why isn't anyone who doesn't agree with me reading this?" Like this book is about George Wallace. But it's not just his biography. It's a dark comedy. And there are some fictional elements. There's a, it's, a, it's a parallel story. So part one, the one story is about George Wallace's life from when he's growing up poor in Cleo, Alabama, until when he uh, dies in 1998. And the other one is a fictional character in our modern times named Art Brown. And he's a political consultant. And his life is paralleled with that of Wallace. And I do that to show people this stuff isn't new. This isn't a generational thing. What we're going to encounter are many moral and ethical challenges that people 40, 50 years ago were 
were having that we're still having now. And I had to make, you know, one of America's biggest supervillains into not necessarily a comedic character, but into almost like a heel in wrestling in a way, because ultimately, you know, people aren't going to want to just go ahead and see a Ken Burns documentary about this. I wanted to entertain them as well as inform them. And, and the book, I think, achieved that with a lot of people. You know, very progressive Democrats read it, and they thought I was an anti-Trump guy. Very red pro-Trump Republicans read it, and they thought I was a pro-Trump guy. Libertarians read it, and they thought I just hated everyone. Because what we ultimately see over time is that politics is downstream of culture. And if we want to go ahead and have the conversations that people want to have, we have to speak their language. And sometimes that means being a little bit self-effacing, but ultimately, I think I did more with my comedy about a segregationist than I did with any of the hundreds of white papers I ever published that probably nobody read. No, and I want to get to, but you, you raise a great point and Ben, I did, and somebody brought him up in chat before and oddly enough, I was in a YouTube wormhole today and I started watching um, interviews with him and this goes to what Rob was bringing back before with these puff piece interviews. You know, William F. Buckley used to have the most amazing interviews. Oh man, that was a that was a fight. <laughs> but Ben, you'd watch him, and it, it was like you know he he would have like the Black Panther, you know, uh, a, a few people from the Black Panthers on, and and it was almost like they didn't he didn't have to say anything. He let them, you know, I, I don't want to use a certain word, but he let them cancel themselves at that moment. He let, but just by his interviewing style, he let you show you how stupid you were. Yeah, we don't have any, uh, except for the four people on the screen right now, we don't have any hosts smart enough to do that. We, we, you know, it's interesting. We used to have some very, very smart, articulate conservatives on the air and in print. We used to have Bill Sapphire. We used to have, well, before he sort of changed a little bit, a gentleman, uh, what's the name of the guy I'm thinking about uh, who's uh, very prissy and wears bow ties and so Scarborough. No, 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 no. The one who lives in Chevy Chase. Uh, Tucker Carlson? No, 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 no. We love him. The, he used I, to wear bow ties. Wait, what? He used to wear bow ties. No, well, he, we love him. But anyway, the, the, we don't have as many of these great kinds of people on TV anymore. Uh, we have much more, um, as I say, run-of-the-mill people. We don't have the great geniuses we used to have. When did that stop? Because I don't remember. I, I mean, don't know. I don't. I don't know when like, that stopped, but it, but it sure took a big hit when William Sapphire died. When was the William F. Buckley show on? Because I've seen the videos. What, I don't what, remember, but he was great. He was really, really great. I was, was on, on that up show until the times. early two thousand. He was just wonderful. No, it's a very scary thing. So I really believe we got to, you know. And I was at my friend's house yesterday, and to the people like, and and, he, and we were talking, and he was openly talking about this stuff in front of his kids. You know, he's an open, like a, a person like, you know, this is enough. And he was like, he's essentially training, you know, training his kids, you know, about how to deal with the future because his kids will be part of this culture intended to, you know, in, in 10 years. I mean, they're being taught at school. He's got to monitor what they're being taught. I and have a good friend, a very, very close friend, very, very close friend whose daughter reprimands her for saying, oh, such and such a person on TV is retarded. Now, I know that's a word that you're not allowed to use. So I just used it. So I'm, I'm terribly sorry. And I will flashlight. I said it like seven back. times, three shows ago. Okay, well, there you go. And uh, way, ben, she, she's constantly to... having to fight with her 11-year-old daughter about this. 11 years old, they're already brainwashed at 11. By the way, Ben, you were referring to uh, George, uh, George Will. 
Um, thank you, Judge Will. Thank you. I got that from somebody in the chat room. So I thank you very much in the, in the in the live stream. So thank you very much. But yeah, it's 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 amazing that that kids are reprimanding their parents. But, but that's I, I, the way I, it was in Stalin's Russia and Hitler's Germany too. The kids are always the first ones to turn zealots and fanatics. I guess the kids aren't all right, and no, um, the kids are not all right. And 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 that's a, that's actually a really frightening thing that 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 you're sharing that with me because and but it's also um, it shows you this past generation how how you know the the generation that's having these children how you are having these conversations with these students that know nothing it really is the know nothing generation yes it's a generation that didn't study it or or, or wasn't taught it that didn't have it in their textbooks and it's frightening and now they're being taught by their children this insane um and I, it really is our job don't pull a kid over on the street but if you're ever with a kid don't hold back it, you know if you're ever don't around pull somebody, a kid over on the street no it's not a good idea i highly Beat don't children. i'm gonna pull over anybody on the street that's not how i live my life i live my life writing and sitting in lonely solitude and limbo and despair pounding on my computer i don't live my life picking up kids on that note, I want to thank everybody that's been listening in the YouTube chat, and I want to thank everybody that's downloaded all our episodes. Remember, please, even if you listen to us on live on YouTube, go download the podcast. Rob, tell everybody where they could find you because you, I know you could uh, uh, stream your show, so please tell people where, where they could stream you. Yes, and we regularly play clips from my appearances on this very fabulous award-winning program. The Mock and Rob Show airs weekdays, 9 to noon on 93.1. WIBC in Indianapolis, WIBC.com. And you also, have, you also have your own Sunday show, right? Well, when they hired me full-time during the week, I told them I'm not working weekends anymore. Oh, good, for, good for you. And so since you ha will have hair soon, are there any other interesting um, things, freebies that you're going to get? That you're gonna... That's why you're... That's why you're in radio, Judah. That's why you're in radio. It's for <laughs> the freebies. I get a BMW one week out of every month given to me for free. <laughs> and trust me, I'm a Wendy's guy. I have no business driving a BMW. <laughs> what do you drive the other three weeks? Not as nice as a BMW, I'll tell you that. Okay, Remzo, where could they find you? And how could they find us? Well, you can go ahead and find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Play, Audible, The World According to Ben Stein, the audio version across wherever podcasts are available. And please hit the bell icon so you get, always get notifications in case YouTube ever wants to be a hater. And if you're not following Ben across Parlor, Facebook, uh, MeWe, go ahead and subscribe to the newsletter at benstein.substack.com. That's, ben, that's benstein.substack.com. And my book, How to Succeed in Politics and Other Forms of Devil Worship, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble online. Ladies and gentlemen, the new Larry Klayman. And of course, you could find Ben Stein on Parlor at Ben Stein or all his pieces at spectator.org. I encourage everybody to read it. Ben, do you want to take us out in song? We'll see you Thursday night at the same exact time. If you, if you, you choose to know go. I can be found sitting home all alone. That's refers to my working. If you can't come around, at least please telephone. Don't be cruel to a heart that's true. Don't be cruel to a heart that's true. I don't want no other love. Baby, it's just you I'm a thinking of. 
And that's a serenade for everybody that listens to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you Thursday night. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye and good luck. Rob, thank you, as always. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. should be up by 10 in the morning. Perfect. God bless you. And uh, Remzo, thank you. You're a champ. Have a great night. That's great. Great stuff, Remzo. Uh, Man, if if you sue Marvel Comics and Disney, that will be the coolest thing ever. I will look. I'll talk to my lawyer about it tomorrow. God bless you, sir. Rob, did you have something? Okay. Ramzo, I will talk to you later. Thank you, Q. Please uh, send me a mailing address. I'll go ahead and send this yeah. out this week. Can I just give it to you right now? Yep. Uh, blah, blah. Where's the pen? Okay. 602. 602. North Crescent Drive. That's C R E S C E N T. C-R-E-S-C-E-N-T. Drive. Uh-huh. Beverly Hills, California. 90210. There was some there was some annoying guy in the chat. I just wanted to like punch the screen. Oh, I didn't even read him. Well, I like to get the people's comments. Anyways, I'll let you be. Good luck with the men's stuff. I appreciate it. I'm calling him tomorrow. Tomorrow's my, my writing day and everything, so I'm going to get hooked up with that. I appreciate you you connecting with him with me. With it's him my again. pleasure. Really and like I told you, don't you good you do good by him, he'll always do good by you. Yeah. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye. Bye.